about now? Okay. Let me just give a little bit uh, about true and false forgiveness. And uh, the example I was going to use, I won't be able to... Uh, to give you, but you know, uh, hopefully we're all familiar with Matthew 6, and where Jesus says, uh, if you're presenting your offering, go and be reconciled to your brother. Is that Matthew 5? Uh, then Ma uh, Matthew 18, if your brother sins, reprove him in private. But then uh, after Peter does this whole thing that when he goes, uh, always the, there's always a legalist in the crowd that wants to quantify, <laughs> Jesus, how far are we going to take this stuff? <laughs> and he's like, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? And Jesus blows his mind and says, up to 70 times seven. Of course, 70 being actually uh, a symbol for the nations and 10 being kind of a symbol of like exponentially, like a millennium in the Bible is not, is, is, uh, is 10 times 10 times 10, the threefold 10. And it's not a specifically a thousand years. It's just a long period of time. And so the 70, but Jesus is saying is you want to forgive your brother unlimited. I've heard people try to get overly literal with this stuff and go, well, if you're still counting at 490, I say that all the time. If you're still counting at 490, you probably missed the point, <laughs> right? So then after he says this, everyone, you know, we all know the, the, the parable of uh, the wicked slave who wouldn't forgive his fellow slave. He, for, you know, he owes his master in the equivalent of, of today's money, it, the bio, you know, the New American Standard says 10,000 talents. Uh, I think even in the margin, it gives you that that's uh, about $10 million, but that's from the, I think that's probably from the 70s or 80s. I mean, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> and in fact, nobody here has enough financial experience or wisdom, or even more, even uh, some of our engineering guys are probably not good in ma enough in math to really get their mind totally around how much money that is. <laughs> you know, um, that's a lot of money. And, uh, so he asked, you know, his master to forgive him, and, um, you know, he does. And then he takes his fellow servant who owes him a denarius, and a denarius was one day's wage. In Bible times, that was actually about 18 cents. If you, that doesn't make sense to us today because we're used to inflation, and, and which is actually deflation of the currency and false currency, you know, don't want to get into all that. But, you know, like in, in the Great Depression, uh, most people made 10 to 25 cents an hour. And uh, that wouldn't do very well with today's inflation, right? Um, you know that uh, what was worth a dollar when they created the Federal Reserve Bank and started the whole inflation process in, in America, uh, well, here we are 101 years later, and what was worth a dollar now is not worth even a penny. So, um, in any case, a denarius is a very small amount of money. Um, it'd be a little bit like, I'm, I'm always lacking cash, so Logan is always very, like, we go out to lunch, oh, yeah, can I borrow $5? And almost all the time, I forget to pay him. <laughs> Although, with, it's because I know Logan doesn't care. <laughs> he does. He forgets. He says, ah, don't worry about it. Where some other people, I always pay him back because I know they would be upset if I didn't pay him back, right? I never pay Logan back because he's like, nah, who cares? He's very generous. <laughs> and uh, so 
this guy won't forgive his fellow servant a few bucks, right? So I want to talk a little bit about this whole idea of biblical forgiveness. You can title this, Stephen, or uh, biblical forgiveness versus humanistic forgiveness. Because even most Christians today have ideas in their mind about forgiveness that are not scriptural and that are not workable and not true ideas of forgiveness. Now, I probably should say that um, the guy who owed the $10 million was probably a very anointed, gifted, and successful leader. Interestingly enough, because you have to have a lot going for you to get in that much debt in the first place. Uh, no offense to uh, Deanna Brown, but if she walked into PNC Bank tomorrow and said, I'd like to borrow $10 million, um, probably because they're professionals, they wouldn't laugh. <laughs> but there, but there's no way she's walking out with $10 million, <laughs> right? That would be nonsense. She wouldn't have the financial collateral, the experience. The, there'd be no basis for making that kind of loan. So we forget this, but like, you know, in in light of what we were saying about praying for leaders and so forth, sometimes the roots of bitterness that really are most destructive for people come against uh, their parents and other leadership that have been in their life. And in fact, it's, again, we were talking about how Satan has a kingdom and he's an adversary to God's purposes. You know, Satan probably doesn't matter, care that much if uh, Deanna Brown is upset about the girl she used to know in third grade on her street that she can't remember who she is anymore, <laughs> right? And uh, we all have people like that, like, I remember I used to play with that one kid when I was like seven, but I can't even remember what their name was, right? But what he does care about, again, is whoever God's going to use in your life. Accusations come mostly against leaders. Now, I'm not much into politics, but one of the things that I think is hurtful to this country and part of our ungodly culture, if you notice, what are the late-night comedians mostly about? They're mostly like to tear down who's ever in leadership, right? They love rejoicing in the flesh and the falls of other people. We love news stories about sports heroes that, that, you know, did ungodly things. Logan's been all grieved about one recently. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we love it. We love, like, smearing people and all that. Okay, so just so you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is there will be people, starting with your parents, because honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that you may live long in the land, but Paul actually changes it to the earth because, of course, in the, the land of Israel was foreshadowing and symbolic of the whole earth of the kingdom. And so that you may live long in the earth. If you don't honor your father and mother, if you have unforgiveness toward your parents, you'll, you'll actually die young. You'll, you'll, that will contribute to diseases. Now, the scientific community would laugh at that. Not all of them. A lot of them understand that things like bitterness actually can contribute to deterioration of health. 
But that would also then be true of other important leaders in your life, such as your elders in the church and so forth. And believe me, one of the things that um, I wish my wife was teaching this one, actually, my wife has a very um, in, in thing that she loves to talk about that she's very good at is she talks about how Jesus says, woe to the world because of its offenses, but offenses will come. You will never have a significantly important relationship in your life, such as your spouse, your pastor, the, pe- the team you're supposed to work with in the things of the Lord that does not offend you deeply at some point. And your ability to bring that in the light, you know, like we were talking about in the last teaching about bringing that respectfully, but, but, not, but holding your ground for reality and truth as well and working through it till there's mutual forgiveness and so forth. Uh, if you don't do that, you'll never enter the things of God for your life. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, and in fact, I want to point out that in the Matthew 18 that we were talking about, what does, what does Jesus say happens to the, to the, to the guy who, the, the guy who wouldn't forgive his fellow servant? He turned him over to the tormentors, which is Bible speak to demonic troubles. Demonic uh, oppression, demonic indwelling, whatever. You know, you look at anybody who's struggling with depression, suicide, things like that, it goes back to roots of bitterness. So... um, that's huge. Okay. And um, so offenses will come. You should count on it. And in fact, that's why I actually say, and I, and I practice, I don't trust anyone that much till I've walked with them long enough that we've argued and fought and, and, and kind of worked through a couple things <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Right? So, I am forgetting a point I wanted to make because I'm doing this impromptu. And so, Lord, help me remember it. But I won't go on to the next point I want to make. Here's here's a little bit of a difference between humanistic and, and, uh, and cultural, in modern times, forgiveness and biblical forgiveness. Modern times, all of modern psychology began to be about blame shifting and excuse making with Sigmund Freud. Now, no one would say they're a follower of Sigmund Freud exactly now, but many people would, uh, but he still controls sort of the discussion in the paradigms a lot of times. But in the most, you know, a lot of what modern sociology on the university campus in modern psychology is about your bad neighborhood, 
you're, you know, what we need is to fix the neighborhood. What we need is to fix the schools. What, you know, it's all about anything except empowering you to take responsibility. So that's huge. So with that, and that's actually grown in the church. There was a famous Christian psychologist, Carl Menninger. I have a copy of his book still. I was just looking at it the other day. He wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you know much about nuthetic counseling, it starts with basically saying uh, the problem isn't your mother bit you and you were five. The problem is your response to it. I call it the my mother bit me when I was five syndrome. You know, in other words, we have all these reasons because of my neighborhood, my lack of education and so forth. That, You know what? Uh, if you're not a very well-educated person, I'm sympathetic with that up till maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. After that, like, take take charge of who you become. Now, uh, one other thing that goes hand in glove with all this idea is the whole idea that you have to empathize with and understand the person who wronged you. So, like, I understand that, you know, for instance, my mom, uh, she comes from five generations of divorce. And her mom was controlling and bitter and angry, and she was an only child, and you know, grew up in very tough circumstances and so forth. And that's all wonderful and good. Oh, not so wonderful. <laughs> but uh, but that's not the basis of my, whether I forgive her or not. Right? True forgiveness, the Lord doesn't uh, basically forgive us by giving a lot of excuses, blame shifts, and rationales, or for for so so that we he takes the culpability off of us. Now that's where a lot of people have trouble understanding theology because you know if you truly understand God's predestination, foreknowledge, all these kind of things, um, you know we were that was Luther's big problem before he discovered grace. He was he was actually accusing God as we talked about in the last message. And he was saying, you have us born into sin. All our In all our lives, you hold us accountable for, for our sinful behaviors, and you're going to throw us into hell because he, and this and so forth, because he didn't know that God was offering him forgiveness, reconciliation, grace, and it was a free, and God had already provided for it in Christ. Right? So when you forgive somebody, here's the thing that I, you need to understand. You do not have to minimize or poo-poo, uh, what a silly word, uh, or their sin. You don't even have to kind of understand uh, all the sociological and psychological environmental reasons that contributed to their becoming such a jerk or whatever. What you have to do is tear up the IOU. A good example is in the book of Genesis when Joseph's brothers come to him and they, uh, they still haven't, they're still manipulators, they're still liars, they're still falsely motivated. And they come to Joseph after uh, their, their father Israel or Jacob dies. 
And they say, our father, before he died, they're totally lying, said that you should forgive us and go easy on us and so forth. And uh, Joseph says, well, as for you guys, you meant it for good. I'm sorry, you meant it for evil. Deanna, thank you for – Deanna gave me that smile like that she always looks at me a little funny when I mess up. Uh, like, what are you – are you – what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's a pleasant, like, what's wrong with you? Like, I can kind of – I actually can see Deanna's eyes and her smile and go, I know I just said something wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's part of old age. Um <laughs> Joseph says, as for you, you meant it for evil. Your motives weren't right. You're, they're still not right. You're being manipulators here. You're lying. You're putting words in our father's mouth that he didn't say, which is dishonoring to our father, among other things, and lying and bearing false witness and all sorts of problems. But God meant it for good. And that's a big key to, instead of looking at human motives and so forth, you know, if you can, you know, whoever wronged you, that's the difference in this newthetic counseling that uh, that the uh, guys that go to churches like Bob's are really into. Uh, I hope you'll eventually read a part. If you're going to be in ministry here, you should definitely read a book called Competent to Counsel by J.E. Adams eventually. I know that there's a lot of books we ask you to read eventually if you're going to be in leadership, so please be working on it all the time. And uh, and if you like that one, he also has a book called The Christian Counselor's Manual. But in any case, um, you know, um, when you do the humanistic forgiveness, you're focused on man and his in, in empathizing with why they did it. And frankly, you need to forgive why they did it. And you need to understand that they they that just because they had a bad neighbor, like the whole bad neighborhood thing totally minimizes human sin. Joseph's brothers, uh, you like to, here's how today's sociological people would be with Joseph's brothers. Joseph was his father's favorite son. And frankly, a father shouldn't have a favorite son in that way. All my sons are my favorite sons <laughs> in different special ways for each one. And uh, uh, so that's how God is with us, you know. He has a lot of sons. <laughs> and uh, um, So... We could say, because in most and most commentators did, that Joseph had the multicolored. Notice the brothers were out mending the sheep, and Joseph was at home. More than likely, Joseph was a little spoiled. He was this. He was raised the most soft of all the guys. Uh, he had the coolest wardrobe, and he had the most creature comforts. And he was certainly his father's favorite, in a way. That clearly in Scripture made the brothers jealous. But none of that is an excuse for their behavior. Right? So that's really important. Like, don't just, don't empathize with people. Call it sin and then tear up the IOU. That's what Jesus did on the cross. 
Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Now, we, we can't even imagine what Jesus was going through. None of us have been through such trials. But, you know, that's a major part of what it's all about. So tear up the IOU. And you can do that better, as Joseph did, if you see that God had a good, sovereign purpose. See, here's where a lot of Christians live. I've met Christians who are unforgiving and bitter at things that happened with them more than a few weeks ago, sometimes years ago. And guess what? It's not hurting the person you're bitter at. It's hurting you. Right? And so Joseph saw, you know what? It's okay. I forgive you because God had a great purpose in this. And you know what? No matter who abused you, misunderstood you, wasn't there for you, was emotionally absent, all of that has the opportunity, if you'll walk with God in it, to become the basis of of your ministry. A verse I want you to know very much is 2 Corinthians 3. No, I'm sorry. Gosh, Deanna didn't know where I was going, so I didn't get one of those looks because uh, I didn't get far enough for her to pick up on it. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 through 8. And, he, and Paul says, Blessed be the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our afflictions, that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort we receive from God, right? So, you know, a lot of you probably know that uh, my first Christian speech at the age of 17, when I was just was, was on fire for about a day or two and at that point, and I had two days, actually, I was on fire, and I'd uh, been drawn by God for a few months, so I'd read the New Testament once, and, and I gave, I spoke at my little brother's funeral, who died for no, uh, no explainable reason on any, two, two autopsies, nothing found, 11-year-old boy. So uh, there's a lot more spiritual things that we could go into, but uh, nevertheless, um, you know what? God has always sent me to people who are grieving their losses. So, you know, I don't care if you're a drug addict, whatever. If, if, if in this area of forgiveness, we are living in a culture of the, that I would call the culture of divorce, almost everybody we minister to at Wright State and Wright Brothers is coming from really broken lives. And sadly, because there's not the kind of intensity of personal discipleship we do and so forth, and I think, of course, you know, churches could use the baptism in the Spirit. They could use more about counseling. They could use casting. I, I, don't, I don't know many churches that put all the packages together that we do. But what you get is even most Christian homes, you know, the dad's not emotionally available or, you know, what have you. There's, there's problems, So guess what? If you're going to be used of God the rest of your life, you're going to need to see to it that no root of bitterness spring up, and by it many be defiled, Hebrews 12, 15. You're going to need to, to, to be able to walk people into a place where they know how to honor their father and mother uh, 
by partly by forgiving them. Now, so I, I guess I just want you to understand that a big part of the difference between humanistic and and and, and biblical forgiveness is kind of two sub points. Humanistic forgiveness is all about man-centered empathizing and making excuses and rationales for their behavior. Whereas God's forgiveness is rooted in the two things of understanding that God has, that everything that was done to you is, as every temptation is a divine opportunity. Even the temptation to be bitter because your mother bit you when you were five. Right? That, that temptations or trials, you might say, they either make or break you. And they're all every temptation, every difficult circumstance, every time you got misunderstood at work or whatever wrongly, is an opportunity for character development. That's that's seeing the sovereign redemptive purposes of God. And the second point on it is that it involves just deciding to tear up the IOU. Now, the next thing I want to say about biblical forgiveness is that it can be very much helped by applying what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, pray for those who despitefully use you. If you're having trouble with roots of bitterness, anger, things like that, start praying for the person regularly. Get a prayer list. Get disciplined in it. Get organized. Find some reason that you'll pray for them until God changes your spirit or your heart toward him. So that's the second big thing I want to say about Christian forgiveness. I have certain people that uh, because of for certain hurts and wounds and different things that I, I pray for every day. And frankly, that's, it's more for, for uh, what it's working in my spirit necessarily. I hope my prayers are answered. I really do pray for them and I really so forth. But um, I have certain people I pray for every day just out of the fact that they did me much hurt and harm in life. And I wanted to see God bless them. Because one of the thing, one of the muscles you have to develop is, is if you'll do that, what I'm saying, if you'll do these two, so the first step was biblical forgiveness. Second step, you might say praying for those who you need to forgive. If you'll do that, you'll be well down the road to, to what I believe you have to develop as a fruit of the Spirit in your life where you're quick to forgive and slow to offense. And when the Bible says to be slow to anger, you can actually develop that as a muscle, you might say, as a, as a, as an, a part of your character. And if you're ever going to be in leadership, because of what we talked about in the last teaching, how Satan's the accuser of the brethren, you're going to have lots of people accuse you lots of times about lots of stuff that's just not even, and it's hurtful sometimes. You'll be misunderstood. It's okay. You got to learn. That's why you got to develop that. Then I want to say a third thing about forgiveness, and then we'll end this one for tonight. How are we doing on minutes? So the third thing I want to say is this, is because you forgive someone 
and because you're praying for them so that you have an attitude change and a motivation change for them, does not necessarily mean you should be back into a relationship with them. Especially in the, exactly the same way in before, it, before, um, before the offense. That all depends on the purpose of God and the healthiness of the person in you. So that, that's, that's huge. Sometimes, for your own spiritual growth, you need to keep a certain distance from some past relationships. Uh, I get advice from a, a particular leader that I mention often. On, uh, you know, there's four or five pastors outside our church that I get advice from regularly and, and uh, three within, two within, but uh, and Catherine. And so, but... I remember talking about a particular boss that I had who did me good in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I was prospered in that job and so forth, but he was a pretty hard guy to work for because he had little ways of suddenly hurt, hurting your feelings and playing one guy off another and being, you know, and it was basically very painful to work for this guy. And I remember talking to a guy who also worked for him saying, boy, part of the reason I had to, uh, Move on was uh, it's just for my, you know, I just, it's not that healthy to work for this guy. <laughs> he said, I get, I understand. I had to make the same choice at a certain point. So just because you forgive people doesn't necessarily mean the relationship has to have the same definition, boundaries, and so forth. And that is something you should seek wise counsel about. There can, especially when it comes to things like parents, um, you know what? I don't believe that when Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2, is it, uh, says, uh, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I don't believe that that just happens at marriage. I think you start leaving home, uh, oh, 10, 12, 14 years old, depending on how much. You start individuating. Uh, you begin to realize that your parents have feet of clay and they're not perfect. <laughs> Uh, that, that's a hard, you know, most, most parents are not good at letting go. And most people are, most kids are not good at, at, at walking through that without either getting too rebellious or too angry or whatever, but you do have to sort of become an adult and what's appropriate respect for your parents, not only depends on, um, whether they're Christian or not, whether their wisdom is godly and their and their marriage is healthy and, and, and that kind of thing, but also kind of depends on the stage of life you're in vocationally and financially. I always tell people, well, if you're still living at home and uh, under your parents' nickel, so to speak, well, then, it, then yeah, if your parents want you to do some chores and you're supposed to clean the bathroom and do the dishes, that to, to a certain point, that's, you, that's totally legitimate. And there are times when when we have uh, relationships, you know, we can even have situations where in a single brother's household, you know, there's maybe someone who's a little bit unhealthy and given to anger management issues and so forth, that it might be uh, best to kind of split that into two new households or something like that 
but that doesn't mean you can't you can't you have to forgive each other and you have to be able to uh love each other but you don't have to necessarily be in exactly the same arrangement all the time does that make sense and that's something you want to seek god in in counsel and wisdom on and that's all i have to say about that forrest gump <laughs>